a shorthanded chance. Yenmark down the middle, scores! Matias Yenmark, shorthanded goal! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Puck comes out high, Watt gets the puck, off to the races, into the zone, the righty, right circle, backhander, he scores! What a move! Nicholas Watt gets the Knights back in the lead! is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. On the Las Vegas Strip in the LV Valley and around the world on the World Wide Web, this is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio, home of the... And that excitement uh, from Christopher Chapman is because of our guest right out of the gate today. Uh, we are not going to spend any time dilly-dallying around. This is Tim Speltz, the general manager of the Henderson Silver Knights, because we've got some uh, season ticket information that's been released earlier this year, regarding uh, earlier this week, uh, regarding the Henderson Silver Knights, and a whole lot going on around that club. Uh, Timmy, uh, how are you? Doing real good, Darren. Enjoying a little bit of off-season and... and uh you know, trying to finish up the the year from last year and then prepare for for next year coming up. Uh, give us an update. Uh, the uh, American Hockey League uh, playoffs uh, continue, and it's been uh, a wild, woolly affair. Uh, where are we? We're we're closing in on the end there. Yes, we are. So Chicago is uh, in Stockton. Uh, they they uh, went up three nothing in their best of seven series last night. Uh, game uh, four in Stockton on Friday and game five, five if, if necessary uh, is in uh, is in uh, Stockton as well and then they're back to uh, back to Chicago for six and seven and then a two one lead on the other side in uh, Lavelle and Springfield and uh, a competitive series there and I think maybe a surprise on on this side uh, in the West that uh, that Stockton is down oh three at this point I, uh, the games have been close but. Uh, Chicago's found a way to get on top on every one of them. Kind of uh, really reflects what's going on in the National League as well with Colorado blitzing the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, you've been around the game your whole life, uh, Western Hockey League, uh, National Hockey League, and American Hockey League. Uh, is there something about the third round where, where sometimes there's a, a beat with teams where they can take a, an exhale and they're, they're a little vulnerable like we've seen uh, in both sides? Well, I think it gets to be a battle of attrition and, and yeah. teams get banged up and uh, different guys, you know, have injuries that some guys can play through and some guys aren't able or maybe not not quite as, as efficient as they were. Uh, you know, you've seen some of the goaltending challenges in the, in the National Hockey League with, you know, uh, and, and Colorado, to their credit, I mean, uh, playing with their second goalie now. Uh, so I, I think more than anything, it's just, you know, when you go through series by series, who can come out a little bit healthy? Uh, I know the seasons that, that we've been fortunate enough to be successful in the Western League, it, it was, it came down to injuries one way or the other, whether it was, you know, that you lost in, in, uh, in a long series because of an injury you had or maybe one and, and you, uh, had a look and, and it was on the other side. So I think that's a big part of it. And, and, uh, and I think when teams get rolling, sometimes they're tough to stop. And, and yeah, I think you see that with game three, how important they are. I mean, if, if uh, Tampa doesn't find a way to win game three, that might have been a short series. Edmonton couldn't win game three, and, and uh, it turned out to be a short series. Uh, you, uh, with your 
Good time with, with the Spokane Chiefs. Uh, obviously have uh, ties all over uh, this uh, great sport that, that we play. Uh, do you have any uh, connections to what's going on in the in the final four or final three now in, in the in the NHL? Not specifically, no, not really. Uh, it's funny, you know, as you think about that, some of the players that you've you've uh, been associated with are, are doing well and all of a sudden it's over. But no yeah. real, uh, you know, I think Tyler Johnson, when he was in with Tampa years previous, that was always a connection to, uh, to you know, winning teams. Uh, but since Tyler's moved on, uh, not so much, no. Uh, Tim Speltz is with us, the general manager of the Henderson Silver Knights. Uh, season tickets uh, went on sale earlier this week. Also the big announcement uh, uh, just a few days ago with uh, Savannah Ghost Pirates of the ECHL. I want to get your, your thoughts on that side of it. But going into year number three, Tim, it, it, it's a whirlwind uh, since you joined the organization uh, through the first year and shorten and then last year uh, so much uh, – sort of uncertainty uh, going week to week. Uh, it, it must feel like uh, next year is a certainly one of the most stable things in the world compared to what you've been through. seems to be at this point, and, and yet it's still <laughs> early. Uh, yes. But, you know, even last year moving from, you know, the Orleans to uh, to the Dollar Loan Center, I mean, that was so exciting for, for the team and, and the organization uh, to be able to get that open, get our feet underneath us at, at Dollar Loan and, you know, get our fans to you know, get a taste of it, uh, which is really exciting. And then the challenges that, that both clubs had last year, whether it was, you know, the Golden Knights or the Silver Knights with injuries and call-ups, different players getting opportunities. I mean, it, it just it was one after another after another. And then, I mean, it, was, it was one of those years where that's the way it was going to be, and it was. And I, I thought we... Uh, you have to adjust. Uh, players get you know get an opportunity. They have to make the most of it. Uh, and, and for me, uh, you know, it was it was different. Uh, it was weird at times. Uh, just the, the rosters that we had, but at the same time, it, it provided opportunity. And then we've got you know I think this year moving forward, uh, we made some decisions and we're moving forward because of those opportunities. And one is with our starting goal, year Patera. You know, year he started the year last year and. In Fort Wayne, ended up being the starter uh, with Henderson at the, at the end of the year, and, and uh, did very well, and then has earned himself a starting job for next year. Yeah, I tend to get uh, caught up in the injury part of it, but the opportunity aspect is huge for these athletes uh, who are trying to make their mark. There's no doubt about it. I mean, we had a lot of, you know, some young guys who had great opportunity last year because of the misfortune of, of injuries to others, and, and that's what the game is all about. You don't know when your chance is going to come, when your opportunity is going to present itself, and you have to be as prepared and, and ready as you can be when that does come. And, and I think a uh, great learning experience for, for our whole group. Uh, we think as a group we're going to be better because of it. Uh, no different. We had some players that, that got opportunity with the uh, with the Golden Knights last year because of injury. I thought every one of those, you know, fared every one of those players fared well with with Vegas. And for us, the most exciting part, they were better players when they came back down because of that opportunity. So, I think that bodes well for uh, for their careers and, and their path and, and where they're headed. And uh, exciting times ahead. Have you got over the awe of the Dollar Loan Center yet? Well, you know, I, I think if you look at it, and, and we were, you know, I, I think it was good for us. Uh, we ended up going 7-2-1 and one over our 10-game stretch. 
It was very exciting for our players. It was great to have, you know, a home crowd and, and the excitement and the ex- enthusiasm of that building. Uh, it, it's, it's amazing. And, and it's, uh, it's right in Henderson. It's something that the people in Henderson can call their own. I think we're going to, you know, have a, a great identification. You know, the team, the, the fans will identify with our players, with our team, and it'll be something that's theirs. It's, it's not Henderson going into Vegas. And not that they don't enjoy that, but it's different. And this is theirs, and and I think we'll have a a definite home ice advantage there. It's a place uh, our you know our our amenities and and the facility there for us is is all world. Uh, it's first class, as good as it gets in the American Hockey League, and it's an exciting place for our players. There's no doubt about it. General Manager Tim Speltz uh, from the Henderson Silver Knights with us on the VGK Insider Show in Fox Sports Las Vegas. Uh, do you have a favorite part of the rink, whether it's the hockey part, uh, the hockey operations aspect, or just from uh, a fan perspective? Well, I, I mean, for me, I, I think the exciting part is is the uh, is the fans. You know, are the fans and and the the game day presentation i mean the 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 video wall is is amazing uh for the facility uh i mean there's there's so many different little nuances that that you know that i really enjoy uh you know i i, I love our you know our, our you know the goal song obviously and, and, and that celebration uh but but i think when when it comes down to it i think uh you know probably uh, the excitement of the crowd and the enthusiasm that's generated uh, is something that, that is just easy, you know, to remember, and it's something that you know gives you chills every time. Uh, you leaned on the uh, Fort Wayne Comets uh, big time uh, the last couple of years, the ECHL affiliate. Uh, that uh, agreement has moved on to the Savannah Ghost Pirates uh, in Georgia, and you were down there for the big announcement. I was jealous uh, beyond belief uh, that you got to uh, head over there. And this is an expansion team, uh, just like the Henderson Silver Knights, just like the Vegas Golden Knights, so it uh, does put things in a really cool row uh, between the three teams. And you are going to have control to a certain perspective or i don't even know how much uh we're uh we're going down that path uh with uh the savannah ghost pirates uh roster but it's it's a great agreement for you from the sounds of it well i, I think for the organization it's an opportunity for us to have a you know it's and we'll call it a three-tier development plan uh but you know vegas i mean by the time the guys are up with with uh, the Golden Knights, I mean, to me, we, we have to have them to a, a certain level of development at that point. But I think we're going to have players that we can keep in their when they're young guys. If, if they're skilled players, we can have them be in skilled opportunities, uh, playing in Savannah, playing in the East Coast League, playing for a coach that we've hired, uh, understanding you know what we're doing as an organization, how we want to develop players, the opportunity that we want to present for them. Uh, winning is always important with development. I mean, there's no question about that. But at the same time, the, the opportunity for players has to be there as well. So, uh, you know, I, I look at it, I think it's very complete. I think the players that we're trying to, to place in Savannah are ones that we're looking at and we're saying that they've got an opportunity to be Silver Knights hopefully one day, and some of those players hopefully will knock on the door to play in the uh in the NHL with the Vegas Golden Knights. So I, I see it as being a really good opportunity for a player, a really good opportunity for our organization to have a, uh, have a development path and development model 
uh, for the players that we're going to get. You mentioned uh, the say in the head coach. Uh, what do you like about Rick Bennett? Well, I just think the fact that he's a developer of, of players and young men, and I think you know the the guys that we'll have in Savannah will will need that. I mean, they'll need to be uh, mentored. They'll need to be developed as as people and players, and, and I think that's uh, you know that's important for for the coach there. And Rick has proven that he's able to to provide that. Uh, having a chance to work with him closely over the last you know couple of months. I mean, he's uh, he's thorough. Uh, hard working, he's committed, uh, and he's a solid, solid, good person. And I think that's that's important. So, you know, I, I think that's uh, going to rub off on all the players. Uh, I think he understands what the, what the plan is, and uh, he'll work hard with with all of them. Uh, and you know, the everything's you know the, the expansion part of it is interesting in that we do not have any you know accessibility to players. There's no expansion draft. They don't start us with anybody. We have to really, you know, start from scratch and try to find every player, uh, starting with the signing dates that are coming up quick, and that makes things, you know, I think very challenging, but also exciting and and, uh, and fun for us to try to put together. Can I ask a dumb question? Sure. How do you do that? Like, how do, how do you create a roster out of out of nothing without an expansion draft? Well, the good thing about it, I mean, we've got, uh, we've got Will Nickel on, on the player development side. We've got Von Carpen on, on the, you know, uh, player, you know, the, the player personnel side and, 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 uh, the pro scouting. Uh, we've got our amateur scouting staff led by Bobby Lowe's. All these people are involved with prospects and players and potential guys that we think can help there. Uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to have players that, you know, they're ready to, to turn pro. Uh, are they ready? You know, they're, they're graduating from junior or graduating from college. What's their next step? Is it in Henderson? Is it in Savannah? So there's going to be some players that we're going to naturally come by, and there's others we just have to flat go out and find. Uh, Tim Speltz is with us on the VGK Insider Show. Before we uh, let you go, uh, just uh, a thought on the guys that uh, that were bouncing back and forth between uh, City National Arena and Lifeguard Arena as they played their games in the American Hockey League and the National Hockey League last year. Uh, people that uh, that you saw come back to your club and take major steps or, or maybe look different than when they departed your club uh, as part of when they returned. Well, I think every player to a man showed something different, you know, when, when he came back. And I, I think they were, they were more prepared. They understood a little better. I, I think the one thing that happens is every player, they think they know what it's like at the next level. It doesn't matter if you're a, uh, you know, a graduating midget player coming to major junior. You think you know what major junior is all about until you're there. And then once you're there, you realize, okay, this is way different than I thought. This is way tougher. This is, you know, I mean, I, players will always tell you everything's bigger, everything's stronger, everything's faster. And I think it was no different with our guys going up to the, to, you know, from the American League to the NHL or the players we brought from the East Coast League to the American League. They realize how tough it is. And the biggest thing is when they come back, they're, they're more committed, I believe. They understand how tough it's going to be to get where they want to be. And then maybe as importantly, the off season, where now they'll be able to train and, and they're going to be at a different level in their training and their preparation to come back to be ready for the levels that they left at. And so that'll be, you know, guys like Paul Cotter and, and Jake Lassishan and Jonas Romberg. I mean, they're, they're expecting they're, you know, they're going to do everything they can do this summer 
and they're coming back and no bones about it. They, they want to Vegas for tonight. Awesome stuff. Uh, that's the best part about being a broadcaster is uh, the off season comes. You don't have to train. Yeah, you just uh, shut it down. Uh, that's uh, I can tell you that uh, firsthand knowledge. Uh, Tim, uh, awesome catching up with you. I uh, love that season tickets are available, and I uh, can't wait to, to get back into the rhythm in Henderson for a full season at the Dollar Loan Center. Looking forward to it as well, Darren. Thank you for the opportunity today. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Tim Speltz, the general manager of the Henderson Silver Knights, who uh, finished with a flurry last year uh, with seven wins in their final ten games and were uh, really dominant at home at the Dollar Loan Center. And season tickets are available right now. They start at just 26 bucks per game. And I can tell you, having been in the building for hockey and football and basketball, can you believe that? The building just opened. Uh, and I've been in the building for all three uh, of those events. And there is uh, not a bad seat. And I, I'm torn. Like, I love sitting down low, as low as I can get uh, when I'm there as a fan and not working uh, in, in my regular job. And that goes for any of the sports. Although football with the Nighthawks, they can come into the, the stands and you can knock your beer or your, your bop uh, flying. So you got to be aware of that. But I love sitting right down low. Uh, but in the, the Dollar Loan Center, like even the highest seat in the, in the bowl is just a, a few rows up uh, at, with a 6,000-seat uh, uh, capacity. Uh, it is. Uh, we, we talk about this all the time. There is no bad seat. There isn't. They've got the castle, and uh, it's awesome. Uh, Chapman hasn't been out there yet, but we'll we'll get him going. I don't know why he hasn't been out there yet. I don't, he comes up with a different excuse every couple of days. <laughs> I have been to the Orleans for 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 well, games. Well, that doesn't but, count. No, I know, I know. Uh, yeah, I, I I think it seemed like every night I was working that they were uh, playing a home game. So, well, you were working with uh, Brian McCormick. Yeah, yeah. On the, so, uh, on the uh, broadcast. Yeah, side. someone uh, someone has to be in the studio to keep the game on the air. But uh, although Brian's so good, he could probably do seven things at once and keep it on the air but yeah and sound and sound unruffled yes yeah yeah i like brian a lot he's he's really good at what he does he's the ultimate duck <laughs> like calm on top of the water paddling like hell below it but you'd never know <laughs> that there's anything going crazy that Chapman's asking him 16 questions during every commercial break. Oh, we have we have great conversations catch, uh, during the commercials, yeah. You know what every play-by-play -play guy wants to do during the commercial break? Well, no, no. A lot of times I don't initiate it. He'll, he'll talk no, to no, me. No, no. You know what every play-by-play -play guy wants to do during the commercial break? They don't want to talk. Exactly. Yeah. What does Chapman do during no, every no, commercial well, break? Well, listen, if, I'm not going to be rude. If, if Brian has a question for me or wants to talk to me about something, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll oblige, but... I think I think sometimes we had to we had to mellow out though because it was going over the stream our conversations. So, oh yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, yeah, we 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 we, we kind of toned it down a little bit. Not That's, that we were uh, not, not that we were talking about bad stuff, but just I, when I when I say that I mean toned down speaking to each other during the breaks. Yeah, because it's on the American Hockey League stream, not on your radio. Exactly. Stream, yeah. Right. Uh, you um. You ever get worried that maybe you've you've said something wrong that might offend people? No, no, because I what you know what's funny? There's out of studio Chapman and there's in studio Chapman. Out of studio Chapman, I you know it's he's funny. He's a buffoon. Yeah, he he is a buffoon. He he yeah. he says things that he probably shouldn't be saying. In the studio, I I try to keep every once in a while I slip. Fortunately, mics are not on, but uh, I I am very cautious about 
certain things that I say and don't say when it's it's true but some here's the thing it's such a great environment with you and with Ryan and uh and with Brian McCormick uh, when he's in uh the, the, you kind of lose track that you're on the air yes you, yeah. you do because it's, like, it's, it's so, like a bunch it's of friends a, sitting around and that's a compliment uh, to you guys. Is you, it becomes this uh, really comfortable vibe, and then you get to a commercial break, and you're just shooting the breeze, oh, and then yeah. you'll end up saying something about uh, player B, and it goes out in the stream, and then you're worried <laughs> yeah. player B is his best buddy was listening, and you're in you're in big trouble. Never about our players, uh, mostly about the uh, the other team's players. Uh, you've been to Savannah, right? No, no, I I've driven through it. Yeah. I've been uh, to Charleston. I have not. They're very close. Charleston and Savannah, but have not been to Savannah. The Savannah Ghost Pirates. So Vegas runs that team, the the hockey operations side of it. So that's the really cool thing about this affiliate. Is that common? No, no. It's it's not common at all. So the Vegas Golden Knights obviously uh, hire everybody with with the big club. With the Henderson Silver Knights being here and owning that team, they hire uh, and put in place everybody from the hockey operations side of it, uh, from Manny Vivros right on down, Tim Speltz, the general manager. And now with the ECHL, uh, Rick Bennett is the coach who is selected by the Vegas Golden Knights organization, Henderson Silver Knights uh, input, and they will select and sign the players for the Savannah Ghost Pirates. So everybody from Savannah to Henderson to Vegas will all be given the same script on how to play, how what system to use, uh, how to act, uh, everything. It's it's one big fam, and that's the difference between some American Hockey League affiliates, where in the past they've been shared, where you get twelve roster spots and the other twelve are responsible. Well, that of happened. The, of, of that, that happened to the Golden Knights the first, yeah, year. They, first year. They shared with St. Louis and Chicago, yeah. Chicago uh, Wolves. It, it happens all the time. Or the owner just has 12 spots themselves that, that, that they can go out and, and sign uh, players. Uh, same with the it's, – it's actually more common in the ECHL where the, the local owner has a lot of say in what they're going to do. And when, when that happens, sometimes there's a difference of opinion between development and winning at all costs right now because the owner uh, wants to and that that's incumbent on the owner uh, because he, he wants to be uh, as as profitable as possible but there you remember the, the development part of it and and I love what Tim said you want to win you do want to win and development is is also uh, a huge part of it and finding that balance uh, without any type of tug of war uh, is incumbent on your organization the way Vegas has structured this now, from Kelly McCrimmon to Tim Spells and then down to uh, Rick Bennett and uh, Bob Lowe's and uh, Von Carpenter and everybody else uh, in between, is huge for the synergy between them. Because nobody else is getting a different message. Yeah, so so I, I, I kind of am, have, have always been a big believer that when you win at the lower levels, you develop a winning culture. And I think that that's important when when you have guys coming through the ranks, whether they're starting in the ECHL or in the juniors. You know, you want guys who who are winners. I I, I think winning is contagious. Like I know it's a cliche, but I want it is a cliche. I, I I want guys on my team who are winners. I want guys who've won at lower levels. I want guys who've won at high levels because I feel like once you get a taste of winning and you win a lot, when you lose, it sucks and it motivates you even more to win. And I, I think that, that that's a big part of development that sometimes we overlook. Like, I see a lot with minor league baseball. 
Like in September, you may have a team that's in first place in, in the minors, and the big club calls seven or eight guys up, and all of a sudden that team that was first place all season, they go in the tank and they don't win. Yeah. And I understand that there's a reason why you do that, but I also think sometimes you want guys to develop that winning chemistry together, and sometimes it's hard to do that when, when you have injuries or Here's whatever reason. For you. So, so on the subject of younger players winning, Jonathan Huberto, he won everything as a junior. Everything. And he just won his first series in the National Hockey League this year. So there's there's no guarantee of that, uh, that, that winning is going to, at, at a young age, is going to automatically spill over. Uh, you still have to have everything uh, to, to complement that. But I, as you were saying that, I thought, well, what about Huberto? Yeah. Like he, 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 he's starving. This guy won. You, you put it on the plate, he devoured it. And and uh, was able to put a medal around his neck and a ring. And imagine the frustration that a player like that has gone through as a professional uh, after it came so easy for him in, in the first while. It's it's bizarre. Yeah, it really is. Like like to to, to think, but I think it also will will make him hungrier to be a better player because he's experienced it. And this year they win the President's Trophy and they win a series and then they get swept. So I'd imagine that's going to be a pretty big motivating factor for Florida because they've had a taste now of, of a, a little bit of success. I wouldn't say major success, right? I mean, nobody wants – I mean, sure, the President's Trophy is kind of cool, but that's not ultimately what your goal is at the beginning of the season. But now that they've had a taste of, of being in a position where people were actually talking about them as a contender, I think that's a good thing. I think it's going to motivate them a little more next season. I have a experiment with you. Okay. It's Chris Chapman with Darren Millard, Fox Sports Las Vegas, the VGK Insider Show. Uh, Stanley Cup champion last year. Tampa. Okay. Who was the president's trophy winner last year? (laughs) It was Colorado Avalanche. Okay. I I wanted to start you with an easy one. Yes. All right. Two years ago, who was the Stanley Cup champion? Tampa. All right. Who was the president's trophy winner? Um, I don't know. Three years ago, who was the Stanley Cup champion? St. Louis Blues. Who was the President's Trophy winner? I don't know. Nobody cares about the President's Trophy. (laughs) Nobody has any recollection. It's a nice banner. It's a beautiful banner. And I wish that we got half that banner at... T-Mobile Arena because the Vegas Golden Knights tied with the Colorado Avalanche uh, a year ago. <laughs> like, we deserve half that banner. But nobody, nobody remembers the President's Trophy winners. So three years ago, now I, now I remember because Tampa no, won. No, no. They, they so, won so, the, 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 the President's hold on, Trophy hold on, and then on. they were swept. Last year was Colorado. Yes. Won the President's Trophy. The year before that. I don't know. Was Boston. Oh, was Can it Can you really? believe that? Boston was the President's Trophy winner. That was the bubble season. Yep. Yeah, 44, 14, and 12. The year before that was Tampa. Yeah. Nashville. Yeah. The year before that. That was coming uh, off the, the Coming off their Stanley Cup final appearance. And then Washington went back-to-back years. Uh, neither year uh, was a Stanley Cup year. Uh, they won it. Uh, the yeah. President's Trophy is, a, is somewhat of a curse. That's what they say, huh? But I don't know whether it's a curse or you're overconfident. I don't buy the fact that that you blew too much energy and you're 
winded at the end and you don't have what it takes to get through the Stanley Cup playoffs, if you go through 82 games or a full season, uh, usually, which is uh, is that, and you're the you're the top team, the President's Trophy winner, uh, you it, it's it's not as close as it was last year. Usually, you win it by a couple points. But like Tampa Bay in 2019 had 128 points. Oh. They lost in the first round. They didn't even win a game. No. <laughs> Bizarre. So I think I think it's overconfidence that gets in the way of the President's Trophy winners more than energy but or being worn out. I think there's there's something too though that this sport is the hardest of the four major sports to win a championship. Like I I, I, I firmly believe that. Having been around hockey as much as I have now the last five years. I'm convinced this is the toughest sport to win the championship. There, there's no doubt in my mind. I don't care what anyone says. NFL, no. NBA, definitely not. Major League Baseball, I'd say even less than the NBA. This is by far and away the hardest trophy to win in, in Major League, American, North American, what, professional sports. Like, there's no doubt in my mind what now. What teams uh, or what league has the biggest synergy that's my word of the day. Uh-oh. Synergy between regular season championship, best team during the schedule, and playoff championship. I, I would, Basketball? Yeah, I, I think the NBA, although I, I think there's a lot of it in Major League Baseball, like especially when the Yankees are really good, they, they blow through the NL East, and a lot of times they'll win 100, 105 games, 107 games or whatever. On, when was their re- last championship? 2010, I think. 20, yeah, so but, that hasn't happened in a while. Yeah, well, they haven't really been the dominant team, though. But, like, I think a lot of times there's – for a long time, though, there were a lot less teams that made the playoffs in Major League Baseball, too. They've just recently now expanded to a few more teams to get, get the television ratings going a little more. But I think basketball is, is probably close because when I think about the teams that win titles – in the NBA, generally you don't have a six seed unless it's a fluke or something like maybe they have a player suffer a serious injury early in the season and they kind of basketball. Yeah, I, I really do because I think about all the great teams that have won NBA championships the last decade. It seems like they're usually one or two in their conference. Like you don't have a lot of lower seeds. You may get a, a lower seed win a series, but they're not going to go on a roll and, and win the way the LA Kings did when when they were what the eighth seed and went through and they ended up beating a six seed. If you have an opinion on this, uh, tweet me. Uh, you can direct message me uh, or just uh, tweet me uh, at Darren Millard or give a tweet to Magnum702. What is the sport that has the most regular season and playoff champions year? So you win, you're you the top team during the regular season, and then you go on and win the big trophy at the end of the year. Because it doesn't happen in hockey. It doesn't. And... Yeah, I'm at. Uh, I'm on the overconfident side of things. Uh, Chapman, where are you on on why why teams stumble? Well, I, I I just think because it's hard to win in the playoffs. I think it doesn't matter. I I think there's so much That's a cop out. There's no, got to no, be there, a better there's, reason. There's so than that. much parity in this league. Yeah, but you're the best team during the regular season yeah, by but, by a long long margin. But beating the same beating the same team four times in a series in in the NHL is a lot different than beating a, the same team four times in other. And, and, you know, I mean, sometimes it's matchups, it's coaching, right? Like we saw the way Pete DeBoer was able to to kind of shut down uh, the, the, the the big guns of, of the Colorado Avalanche last year. We, we saw the way that Montreal kind of did the same thing to Vegas, right? They flustered them. So 
I think a lot of it's coaching. I think a lot of it is is to score in the NHL. It's 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 really hard to score a goal and, and things tighten up in the playoffs. Guys guys play a, a little more physical. No, no, no. There's you're you're now you're just giving me cliches. <laughs> you are. Well, I don't want to say it's overconfidence because I I don't know it if, is. I don't know if Tampa was overconfident that they were just gonna blow through you Columbus? Know, yeah, maybe oh, maybe you, in that case. Yes, they sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Take I, that back. I I mean I don't know. I mean the, the what I do know is not a lot of teams win the President's Trophy and win the Stanley Cup in the same season. It's it's really really difficult to do. I already said that. Yeah, I know. And, I know. and all but, you gave me was eh, it's physical. It's parody. It's <laughs> well, there is a lot of parody in this sport. My goodness, the best <laughs> the best team during an eighty two game regular season should be able to win the championship a lot more than it ever happened. But it's only happened eight times. I don't. When was the last time? Uh, Blackhawks, I'm guessing. I don't know. 2013? Nope. No? Was that 2013 that they won? Uh, 12 and 14, so yeah. Ah, yeah, there okay. you are. Blackhawks. Uh, you're right. Good guess. But but, uh, <laughs> but before that? Was that was definitely a guess. That was total guess. Uh that's why I like dynasties. I'm going to be honest with you. When you go back and, and you look through your Rolodex of your brain and you're flipping through it, it's a lot easier to keep track of championships when there's three or four in a row. That's why I'm rooting for Tampa. I, so, I, me too. I, 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 I want that. Like, it, it's just yeah. cool. Just to make it easier on my brain. Yes. I remember when the Lightning won three in a row. Yeah. There we go. And then, then we can move on. But there's three years there. That you don't have to think. Yes, you just don't. Or they use went any straight. gray matter. It's just mail it in. Uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, speaking of winning multiple championships in a row, uh, Pat Maroon is on the verge of advancing to another final. He needs two more wins, and then he's to uh, his fourth straight championship series in the quest to win his fourth consecutive Stanley Cup. He's known as the Big Rig, but. Does he own that nickname? I chatted with him a little while ago, and we brought up that conversation yesterday in the VGK Insider Show, and Chris Chapman has pulled the audio as he is going to explain how he got the name and why he is the true big rig. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Stay with us. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. What do you got going today for your theme on Welcome Back Tunes? I don't know. Just was feeling a little Duran Duran today. Heard it on the radio this morning. So I said, you know what? I'm going to use a little Duran Duran for the Um, Hungry Like the Wolf is good. Rio. I Rio. actually saw them at the Cosmo a couple of years ago. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So good. Simon LeBond can still sing. They played the Queen's Jubilee. You know what? I only got to see Diana Ross on that. Yeah. And but they were somebody asked uh, why you played that that song and uh, and they they kind of threw a couple of people under the bus saying yeah uh, somebody from the royal family a uh, per, unnamed person wanted to know why we didn't sing this song that song this song <laughs> so it was it was their way uh, Simon's way of saying we should have got more time yes I like we should have got uh, more time but that I thought was an interesting choice they did uh, one of the uh, James Bond themes and it was yeah. uh, View to Kill I think. Uh, Henderson Silver Knights uh, season tickets are on sale now, available right now. Uh, this will be the season, uh, their first full season 
at the Dollar Loan Center, and tickets start at just $26 per game. Go to uh, hendersonsilvernights.com. Thanks to Tim Speltz uh, for joining us uh, in the first block. I was just going through the President's Trophy winners, and we were talking about why teams can't capitalize on regular season success and make it happen in the postseason. Just doesn't occur in this in the uh, National Hockey League. How many teams do you think in the last 10 years have the same coach as when they won the President's Trophy? So the last 10 years, the President's Trophy winners, how many coaches are still part of uh, those teams? Well, we know for sure Boston is one that does not. Right. Um, I know the guy who won it with the Blackhawks is not. Right. Um, Washington, you mentioned, went back-to-back years. They clearly do not have the same nope. coach. They've actually been through a couple coaches since then. Uh, Nashville does not because John Hines was not the coach when they won the, the President's Trophy. Right. Um, it was LaViolette. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Are, are there any? Well, other than other than Colorado? So you go 2013 <laughs> Chicago. Nope. 2014 Boston and 2020 Boston. Nope. <laughs> Rangers 2015. Nope. Washington a couple of times. Nope. Nashville. We said no. Then you get into Colorado and Tampa. 2019 Bolts and 2021 Avalanche. They're they the still only, have the well, same coaches. And Burnett. We'll see what happens with him. Yes, you're right. He's the interim guy. I'm not prepared to say yes or no until they come out and either name him the full-time head coach or remove the interim by removing him. So basically we're at two and a half right now. John, yeah, John, yeah, okay. John I'll give Cooper you two, I'll and give you Jared Bednar. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you uh, two and a half. That's incredible. Yeah. And the Avalanche uh, are into their first final in franchise history where they will try to stop either the New York Rangers or the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, from the Eastern Conference. So the Bolts will play game five tonight against the New York Rangers in what's a homer series. We'll see what uh, occurs in in that one. Two great goaltenders. But uh, one of the great subplots from this series has been the presence of uh, Patrick Maroon. He won back in 2019 with the St. Louis Blues and then took his act to Tampa and won back-to-back cups. And one of the great things about every celebration picture from St. Louis to Tampa in the bubble and then last year Tampa Bay celebrating at, at home is Maroon always adds what number with his hand of a Stanley Cup championship is. So number one, number he's got two, and, and he talked all about how many times he'd won two, and then he won three. He's trying to go four in a row. First time that somebody's going to uh, in a position to win four in a row since the New York Islanders in uh, 1983. It's a staggering accomplishment. But one of the cool things about Patrick Maroon is he's he's just a personality. And I had him on my podcast earlier this year uh, on the chirp with Aaron Millard. And we, we talked about everything from phones for our kids uh, to chirping on the ice, which is a big part of his game. He says he actually does research on the other team so he can get inside their grill. Uh, so imagine what he's like game after game after game in a playoff series. Scored a huge goal the other night. But his nickname is the Big Rig, and it's been around for a while. But there's controversy in this because Jamie Oleksiak from the Dallas Stars uh, back then, uh, now uh, Seattle Kraken, uh, uh, Jamie Oleksiak's the Big Rig. So I asked him, I wanted to know the un 
knowing question. Please settle it for all time. Who is the first big rig? Big rig. Who's the real big rig? Um, as in who? Jamie you or Jamie Alexiak? Yeah. I'm the I'm the original. Yeah. Yeah. How did it come about? Andrew Cagliano, uh, Cogs. Um, I was in Anaheim. I used to be called the big, big dog, fat Pat. I had a lot of nicknames. Um, and then we were sitting there and Cogs just looked at me. He's like, you look like an 18 wheeler. He's like, God damn, you're so big. And I was like, thanks Cogs. He's like, you're the <laughs> big rig. So I was like, there you go. So that's, that's kind of how it started. Um, and uh, it kind of took off from there. So I've been in the league longer than Jamie, so I'm the original Big Rig. So maybe I'm assuming Cogs named him Big Rig. So because he played in Dallas, right? That that's a good uh, that's a good point that that he played with both. So he might just have the one trick pony with the nicknames. Probably. Uh, do you ever uh, do you ever chat with Jamie about that? Do you ever chirp him? No, no, I don't. We fought a couple times. And I get the odd tweets from the Dallas fans like, oh, he's a real bigger because he beat you up. So uh, I guess we're going to have to go round three here this year and just say, hey, what's this fight for it? So that's uh, that's Patrick Maroon talking about the the big rig nickname. Cogliano now plays for the Colorado Avalanche. If you are going to give, because he's, he's nicknamed two people the big rig, who on Colorado is Cogliano's hat trick a big rig players. Wow, that's a tough one. Josh Manson looks like a pretty big fella. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think. I'm thinking Nathan McKinnon. Like, yeah, that's a big rig. But I, I, I don't know if big rig goes to your superstar player. Like, I kind of feel like he, he's got to be an 18 guy who's a little bit bulky and, and maybe does the dirty work for you, willing to, to transport Whatever you got to get across, yeah, I don't know, that's a lame, really lame attempt at a joke there. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if you can give it to McKinnon because he's a superstar. He's like the Ferrari. Mm, that's good. But he's such, a, he's such a massive human being. Yeah, he's a, That's what he makes is him difficult dude. is he's fast, but, but he's huge. Kadri's a pretty big guy. Yeah. I don't, I don't see know. him as a no, big rig type player. No, I don't, I don't see Kadri. Yeah, he's not that, that the big rig. Uh, well, I'd, think about it. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll I'd have to, I'd have to think. I, I, I kind of feel like they've got a couple bulky guys in their defense, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. But, well, it's not Taves McCarr. No, 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 no. McCarr is like maybe, the... Uh, maybe Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Might be uh, might be worth it. Because you know somebody's the big rig on that team. Yeah, and... and Everywhere Cogliano goes, he names somebody the big rig. I'll give... I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards Maroon in this one, because let's be honest, Alexiak's not even the best athlete in his family, so... Uh, you're referring to his sister Penny, the world champion and uh, Olympic uh, champion swimmer, the most decorated Canadian Olympic athlete of all time. Do you know that for sure? Yes. Or are you just making that? No, up? she. I, I. I know that she's okay. won. She's won eight medals. I mean, let's. I. I mean, I'm. What I'm not, a Canadian can't win more than eight medals? No, but I don't believe a Canadian has. She. She is the most decorated Canadian athlete of all time in the Olympics.
I don't think uh, you're as confident as you I, said. I am 100% confident on this one. You're going to Google that during the break. I and will. And you're going to have fingers crossed. <laughs> Calling you out. Uh, we're going to break. We'll come back and set up hour number two. VGK Insider Show. Breaking news with Olympic news as well as roster news for the game five of the Stanley Cup Eastern Conference final tonight between the Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's all ahead on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Well, good job on the Google. You nailed it. Yes. Kenny Alexiak is the most decorated Canadian Olympian ever with eight medals, but it was close. Had a scare, yes. It was close. Clara Hughes uh, won six medals uh, for Canada, but she did it, and this this is the cool part. She did it in both the Winter Olympics as a speed skater and the Summer Olympics as a cyclist. That's incredible yeah. that, that you could be such a great athlete that you win medals in two different Olympics in the winter and the summer in obviously different sports, but... I'm surprised that that hasn't been done with like the Dutch. Maybe it has, because they're they're obviously really big in the speed skating and and cycling is is massive in, in the Netherlands as well. So maybe they've done it. But it's incredible to think just how good of an athlete you have to be to do that. What would you be a two sport athlete in? If I had my choice, yeah. Um, not what you'd be best at. No, but if I, you had your choice, I I I would love to be. A skier, like to me, the downhill in the Olympics is the must-watch event. Well, you've been heading downhill for a while. Yeah, now. well, I'm not. So taking, you'd be perfect. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going too far off the track there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, downhill is, is is incredible. The speed that those guys get, and when they get airborne, I think that's a cool one. And and then I, if if I was going to do a summer sport, track and field. Which one though? You can't just say for- track and field. I, well, everyone loves the hundred, but to me, that's too quick. I, I wouldn't have enough time to, to showboat in the hundred. Maybe, maybe the half mile, eight hundred, four hundred, something like that. Uh, those were those were my events when I was when I was younger, the four and the eight. So, I would love uh, to be able to I do the, the four in the Olympics. Ah, oh, it'd be great. I did the fifteen hundred at the Olympics in Tokyo. Uh, that was uh, one of my sports that I uh, just picked up late in the uh, in the event. You know, I hate that oh, my I was goodness, watching. They were so fast that I watched. Well, those guys run like like their quarter mile pace, like for what they they do one lap is yeah. pretty much as fast as like most. Hold on, really. I'm just going to stop you there. You're supposed to be the one keeping track of time, and you're doing all the talking here. <laughs> and we got to take a break to hit the top of the hour. Well, you, you got me on a topic that I really I know. <laughs> I just looked at the clock and went, we're over. <laughs> and we're over because he won't stop talking. Oh, now he's talking about the 1500. Yes. No, you brought up the 1500. I know, but you went, you took it on. <laughs> Like that, that 1500 pace is a full sprint. Uh, yes. We've got roster news regarding who's in and who's out for game five. Tampa Bay and the New York Rangers tonight at MSG. I had a great conversation today with Mike Rupp. Scored a Stanley Cup winning goal uh, for the New Jersey Devils way back Booyah. when. Uh, we talked about uh, who would have the better shot of beating the Colorado Avalanche. The Rangers or Tampa Bay? We'll get into that uh, piggyback on, on that conversation in hour number two, plus the latest on the roster updates 
on Fox Sports Las Vegas as we continue with the VGK Insider Show. Stay with us. Thank <laughs> you. 